Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor and today we're going to talk about human trafficking. And this is Anti-Human Trafficking Month. Our guest today is Kate LePage. Kate is the East Central Safe Harbor Regional Navigator and Program Manager for the Anti-Trafficking Programs with Lutheran Social Service. Kate, welcome back to Community Focus. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, we say this uh, whenever we see you, and uh, I, I know some of our listeners, I'm sure, are thinking, really, there's human trafficking here in beautiful Brainerd Lakes area? Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Every time we talk about it, and it's and we had a couple years there during COVID, right, where we had a lot of myths centered around trafficking and exploitation and what that looks like. Um, unfortunately, we continue to see an increase in youth needing services and adults needing services across the state, and specifically, you know, as we're serving East Central Minnesota, officed out of our Brainerd and St. Cloud areas, we're continuing to have um, an influx in referrals for exploitation and trafficking, but a huge increase in referrals for online risky behavior and mm. online solicitation of youth. Mm. It is, yeah. Yeah, we've seen that on so many fronts, whether it's mm-hmm. drugs or tra- trafficking mm-hmm. or exploitation. Uh, we think our kids are safe, but they're holding a dangerous thing right in their hand, aren't they? Yeah, and you know we're, what we've seen is unfortunately, uh, and you can't say I can't sit here and say you know what's causation versus correlation, right? But over the last few years, and in 2016, Minnesota had 12,000 or sorry. 1,298 cyber tips. Now, cyber tips are what happens when usually it's a platform like Google or Facebook identifies illegal activity like soliciting of youth or um, child abuse material being posted, and they report it to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, I'll refer to it as NICMIC because it's a mouthful. Okay. Um, and then NICMIC sends that to the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension or the BCA in Minnesota, and then they go out and see, you know, is this a criminal threat? Is this a conversation to youth about online safety? You know, what what is our next step here mm-hmm. um, in this investigation? And again, in, in 2016, there was 1,298 of those um, cyber tips to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In 2021, we had 5,964. And in 2022, they're saying it's closer to 10,000. So I don't have that wow. specific number for 2022 yet, but yeah. we can just see that huge, huge increase. And we have and this is the one that these are the ones that have been like tagged or noted, yes. not to talk about the ones that yes. aren't even known yes oh, yes that's disturbing yep and some of it is you know um kids seeing trends on tiktok and self-producing things or you know that type of stuff and some of it's this grooming that we see online and mm-hmm. when we look at our data for traffickers in minnesota and i think this is what's really scary to our parents and caregivers and community members is a lot of of the push for these myths and conversations is around stranger danger, right? Yes. That makes us all feel a little bit safer because it's not necessarily as connected to us and our families because if we can be protected and aware of strangers that are dangerous, mm-hmm. we'll be safe. But OJP, our Office of Justice Programs that oversees the funding for all of our task forces in Minnesota that's investigating trafficking and exploitation. Um, zero traffickers were unidentified people to the victims. Really? So we don't wow. have that stranger danger situation happening. Mm-hmm. So in some way, shape, or form, traffickers and exploiters are really building relationships with their victims. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of this initial grooming is being initiated online. Um, So that online solicitation or grooming is taking place. And then we have exchange of um, sometimes images and videos that then would flag right for those cyber tips to make their way to the BCA. So a lot of the grooming, initial grooming, we are missing. So for parents Mm -hmm. and caregivers to have a better understanding and school personnel, what that grooming looks like is gonna help us curb so much of that initial onset. And what should parents and and, you know adults be looking for if they're kinda concerned or they're just kinda just keeping their eye out? What should they be looking for? Yeah, I think everybody always wants to have this specific app, right? Like what's the specific app that my kids should not be on and unfortunately if it were that simple Mm -hmm. you know we could shut down stuff much more easily but the reality is is as you move from community to school district the popular hot app is going to change Um, we also know that there's no like there's certain apps that are more dangerous than others because there's no profile attached to it right Mm -hmm. like it's a chat room and people can be whoever they want to be but the reality is is um, perpetrators looking for youth are going to go where youth are at. You know, Mm -hmm. I always get kind of backlash from my son, who is eight, who wants to go on Minecraft. And I will not allow him to go online and play Minecraft online. Because if there is a chat feature, there's going to be perpetrators. If their goal is to go on and and connect with youth, they're going to go where they know youth are. So what I tell parents is instead of being aware of one platform or another, have ongoing conversations with your kids about what they're doing online. Talk mm-hmm. to them about you know what apps they're on, who they're talking to do to, and um, I really recommend going on and creating your own profiles. That way, you know how the privacy settings work. You can go and search your kid before mm-hmm. your friends, and you know all the information that comes up, and you can have conversations about that. Then, right? Yeah. Let's have yeah. conversations about the information I was able to see, and and start really talking through. Um, what's appropriate and what's risky to share Mm -hmm. online. And then I always say look for things and signs of risky behavior. If you have somebody that is always putting their phone upside down on the table, right? They're keeping you from seeing who's messaging them. That's Mm. purposeful. That's a purposeful step, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If you have somebody that's constantly leaving to go answer calls in other rooms and things like that or feeling really anxious about not being able to answer their phone. I always say there's a huge difference between a kid that is just addicted to their phone and feels like they want to be on it to somebody that is very, very anxious about not responding. Mm. So when we have this grooming, and and I go out and I do presentations to youth, um, oftentimes with one of my BCA um, partners, my Bureau of Criminal Apprehension partners that investigates these, and we'll show actual chats, changing names and locations and Mm -hmm. things like that, of just how quickly some of this grooming can take place. There's something that we call sextortion, Mm -hmm. where we have people that are um, blackmailing for photos and videos and messaging and content and things like that. Mm -hmm. And how quickly that can happen, especially for a young person, you know, 14 year old, that's not that's not thinking forward thinking right they're in that crisis yeah Yeah. Yeah, of how do I limit my risk and harm here and how do I so looking for things that where this person is stressed if something comes up on their phone and you can you can see the stress take place Mm -hmm. so trying to look for just those obvious more obvious signs of anxiety and risk um, risky behaviors with online 
And as we talk about this with kids, is this both boys and girls? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, This is, and you guys probably know from having me come and talk every year, this is a platform that I will die on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we typically see this issue as an issue related to females. However, when we look at our Minnesota student survey data in 2019, for the first time, we had a question related to exploitation um, on that survey that went out to ninth and 11th graders in Minnesota. And what we found is boys and girls, heterosexual boys and girls, were self-identifying as having experienced some form of sexual exploitation um, within 0.1% of each other. So we have pretty much 50-50 numbers for boys and girls that are self-identifying. Unfortunately, we're not identifying as providers and as community, our boys, as often. The other thing, when we talk specifically about online solicitation, is we actually have, um, when we're doing sting operations and we put ads out for boys and girls, Mm -hmm. we actually have more hits to our boys' ads more quickly. So we do know that potentially we have even greater online grooming and solicitation of our boys than of our girls. So when we're talking about this and going to home and talking to our kids and talking to our, you know, students in our classrooms and things like that, we're really making sure that we are openly talking about this to both boys and girls. And how do we start that conversation? I know it's going to obviously depend on their age, but Mm -hmm. how early do you start touching on these things? You know, I think that there are certain curriculums and people that are really well trained so um with a grain of salt right Mm -hmm. when we talk about grooming online and in person there's some really wonderful curriculums that different child advocacy centers um, are trained to do as young as like kindergarten that's just healthy touch and how do i talk about what's safe touch Mm -hmm. now for me and general public that's not trained specifically for those conversations and how to have those conversations you know i um i recommend at home doing it as you're comfortable utilizing tools that are put out um, with your own kids to have those conversations as you feel comfortable. I'm having conversations with kids, you know, as young as eight and nine, mm-hmm. um, depending on their risk factor and, and how I'm brought into conversations. And I'm doing prevention education, really curriculum it with kids as young as nine. Mm-hmm. So having these, you know, kids are online. Um, are. I get brought into some schools yearly to talk to their fifth grade classrooms because the next year they're going to be going home with tablets at school. Mm -hmm. So before kids have all this um, alone time on devices, having some of those conversations about what does online bullying look like? What does um, grooming look like in ways that are age appropriate, right? Yeah. That's where it's hard to That's where say, it's hard. Uh, yeah. and, and that's where working with your experts, quote unquote experts in the field is really important mm-hmm. so that we're not um, implanting ideas that didn't need to be there yet. Yeah. We're not making the world even scarier scarier than it needs to Mm -hmm. be Um, but we're talking about things that are relatable to what they're going and they're doing so when I go in and I talk to fifth graders I let them lead the conversation a lot what apps are you on so that we're not bringing new apps into the conversation that don't need to be Mm -hmm. right and then we let them drive the conversation like what would make you feel uncomfortable well if somebody was talking bad about my friend on their post well let's talk about that how do we how do we 
act Prompts as a positive yeah. person online? And what do we do and who do we tell when something makes us feel uncomfortable? So instead of putting the scenario of what's uncomfortable in their head, mm-hmm. I let them come up with the scenario. And then we talk just broadly about, okay, that made you uncomfortable. What do we do about that? Mm-hmm. And then we can start having those conversations about how am I healthily responding to these things yeah. um, in a broad sense, if that makes if that makes sense to, yeah. to listeners. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And Just, it's so sad we have to have this kind of, these kinds of conversations at that young of age. I mean, yeah. it's just really mind-blowing, really. Mm-hmm. But it's necessary in today's day and age. Yes. Yeah. It even seems like you say, uh, growing up without technology, you know, mm-hmm. it was like you say, it was back to the stranger danger. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, everybody has a device of some kind. And that's what makes it so scary in my mind. And and there are so many different apps out there. And it seems every time I turn around, There's you some. know, my teenager is on a different app mm-hmm. that I've never seen before. What's this one now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's having hard to those stay conversations. ahead. Try to yeah. keep up there, yeah. Grandpa, right? Yes. It, but having yeah. those conversations is good. And what mm-hmm. I have to remind myself, I'm not I'm not too old by any means, but I also grew up at a time where there was not you know, immediate connection to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind the parents and professionals that I'm working with that um, even if I wouldn't identify this person that I've never met in person as someone that I know that's no longer a stranger, that is not the case with kids. We're meeting people, we're fostering relationships solely online. And that's um, dangerous. very normalized piece though. And so those people no longer feel like a stranger. So if they ask personal information, we always say, and this is where we maybe have to change our language around it, is we don't share personal information with strangers. Well, this person in their mind is no longer a stranger. So Mm -hmm. how are we adapting our language as parents and as adults to really um, encompass what these online relationships are to kids? Mm -hmm. And so what should we be saying then to them? You know, I would remind that it's really unsafe to share anything with someone you haven't met in person Mm -hmm. just because and you know make it relatable Um, catfish used to be a popular show but like something else that's popular right people are whoever they want to be online so it's great that you feel like you can be honest and have like an outlet on this blog but be careful of what you're sharing because even if this Mm -hmm. person feels supportive like you know them until we actually meet them in person we don't so Again, it's it's less of a statement and more of a dialogue that we have to start having with kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, now, do you have an, an event coming up that we should know about too, Kate? Yeah. So again, it's January Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Um, we have been so so busy. So I limited myself to a few events this year. <laughs> and on the nineteenth, we are going to have two virtual sessions. It's going to be the same content. We wanted to give people two opportunities to come um, that fits better in their schedule. So 9 to 10 in the morning and then noon to 1 on the 19th. Uh, If people want to go to my Eventbrite page, I'll also be uh, posting that link to sign up on our Saving Grace Facebook page as well that people could access. Uh, And so what we're going to be talking about is myself and two of my peers from around the state. So we have different perspectives from different mm-hmm. regions throughout the state of Minnesota are going to come on and talk more in depth about online solicitation and what that means for um, parents and guardians, but also professionals and what should we be looking for and what are 
our next steps if we identify things that are concerning? Yeah, mm. that's good. Yeah. Again, uh, January 19th from 9 till 10 and noon to 1. And where were those taking place, did you say? They're going to be held virtually through okay. a Zoom link, and you can register through our Eventbrite page, which I will be posting that link on our Saving Grace Facebook page. Okay. Saving Grace, okay. Good to know. Wow. Uh, a lot of information, uh, and it's kind of scary information, but parents, uh, if nothing else, start that dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's our new reality, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kate, we thank you for being here today to talk about this important subject, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll have you back again, I'm sure, to talk more about this, but thank you for being here. Thank you guys for having me again. Thank you. Kate LePage is the East Central Safe Harbor Regional Navigator and Program Manager for the Anti-Trafficking Programs with Lutheran Social Services. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs can be found anytime. They're on our website. Go to 1067wjjy.com. And you can listen anytime through our free downloadable app powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.